Looking forward to the coming of the spring. Welcome back to Hand of Pod. winter's day here in Buenos Aires today. Um, we're getting to that point now where, where the winter seems to be almost over already. It's warming up. It's about 20 odd degrees today. Uh, Celsius before any of our North American listeners tell us that, that doesn't sound all that warm at all. Um, I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by Santiago. Hello everyone. Welcome back. Uh, I'm afraid we're the only two this week. We are previewing the Torneo Inicial 2013 uh, because the Argentine League season begins on Friday. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday, so that's about 48 hours' time. Um, the others uh, have not been able to make it, as I was warning over the weekend. Uh, over the, the weekend? Haha, <laughs> that's a very long weekend. Um, over the winter, uh, the, the month or so since, since we last recorded. Um, we're not really quite sure what's going to be happening with Handapod this season. Uh, English Dan is in a full-time job, which is going to rule him out for evening recordings. Uh, Joel is more complicated as well, but we have a pool of people who I'm hoping to be able to draw on uh, each week. Santi, hopefully, is going to be fairly regular, I think, with your job, aren't you? Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Touch yeah. Um, it's close enough to here, so... Indeed. Why yes. not? Um, as well as, of course, Seba, Mariano and uh, Daniel Schweimler, who regular listeners might, might uh, remember. So, fingers crossed we'll be able to bring you something every week. And fingers crossed it won't always involve just two of us. Uh, but for the moment, we are your company for the next however long it takes us to record this episode. Um, where to start then, Santi? Any ideas with... Um with what to start talking about from from the winter, we we recorded two weeks or so into the off season just after Newell's had uh, had gone out of the Copa Libertadores. Yeah. Trying to remember what's happened since then. Really. I guess it's transfers, um, preseason friendlies. Uh, I'm this. remembering now the main uh, news that we've had is of course Martino going to Barcelona. Uh, I don't know if this. <laughs> it's we've got a running order in front of us, and we completely forgot to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we should talk about that, yeah. I think, if only because it'll get us plenty of, of hits um, and, and listens. So here we are. Uh, well, yeah. tell us about him, Santi. You're the yeah, it was a big surprise, yourself. actually, here. Um, I mean, the, there was some talk from Ole, which is the main um, sports newspaper here in Argentina, that, that said that he may be the candidate, that he may be the chosen one, but we all took it for just a bunch of bollocks, because uh, Ole is from, you know... Yeah, they, 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 they claimed do previously that, that, that he was third in line for the Real Madrid job as well, that Real yeah. Madrid actually phoned him up and he turned them down, and that, that was why they mm-hmm. got for Ancelotti. Um, and you thought, well, this is just an Argentine media trying to pick up an Argentine manager. Uh, it turns out it wasn't. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite uh, it's it's been quite the the big thing here in Argentina. I mean, uh, basically, if you turn on the TV, if you turned on the TV this week or last week, it was all Tata or the Pope. 
that was the, the two main those were the two main talking points it's almost like it could have been mm-hmm. the only thing that would have been any bigger news in Argentina yeah, really, isn't it? <laughs> and, better than an Argentine Pope an Argentine manager of Barcelona so um, it, it's it's strange to me it's strange for a, a manager who of course he, he's got a, a very interesting background he's got no experience in European football no experience I mean he doesn't know the I mean, he has a, just a passing knowledge of the um, Spanish league, like you or, or I may have. It's, uh, and uh, for him to get such a high-profile job as his first job in, in Europe, it's, it's, it's quite a bit of a shock. Uh, it I, is. I, um, I was talking to... We have Jonathan Wilson in town at the moment. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it this evening. Uh, he's currently interviewing... Um, Jose Sanfilippo, the all-time top scorer of San Lorenzo, um, for for an upcoming book. Um, but he, he was uh, I was discussing this with him shortly after it happened, um, and, and he was saying that you know it's, it's not really the first time that Barcelona have made a risky appointment uh, in, in this way. I mean, Frank Rijkaard, when he was appointed, had, had had one managerial job. He'd managed for one season, and he managed to get Sparta Rotterdam relegated for the first time in their history <laughs> um, during that season uh, when they appointed. Uh, it wasn't Guardiola Guardiola came, came from the B but I think Tito Villanova's only previous first team job involved a relegation in Spain's lower divisions or something like that I'm going to look him up very quickly now um, so from that point of view actually Martino's been considerably more successful I mean yeah, Martino has I think had a relegation he got relegated with Colón uh, several years ago in what 2008 or he was very close to getting relegated with Colón had a really poor season um, but he's also won an awful lot. He's won uh, four championships in five years in the Paraguayan League. Uh, he perhaps didn't have the, the full um, extent of his philosophy uh, demonstrated by his time in charge of Paraguay. He, he was obviously not given quite the same sort of advantages there. Uh, I must be thinking of someone else, by the way, because yeah. Tito's only ever yeah, managed to Barcelona be in Barcelona. Um, and so, yeah, Martino, I think it's fair to say, if, if you're a Barcelona fan and you're listening, don't just look at Martino's Paraguay side and think, yes, this is how we're going to be playing now. Uh, I don't think there's much danger of that. <laughs> yeah, um, I think he could be quite good. Uh, main problem could be, uh, I've heard that he he had some qualms about maybe telling Heinze what to do because he thought that Heinze was such an accomplished player that mm. he, he felt a bit embarrassed at telling him where to stand in the pitch or what to do in the field. So now he's going to have to tell Iniesta what to do. So it, that may be the only, the, the only well, one of the biggest problems he's, he's, he may be facing. But um, I think he, if, if he gets over that um, that problem, he could be quite good. He, he, he does fit the Barcelona uh, way of playing. Absolutely, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I believe that his debut is going to be the Spanish Super Cup um, I might have that wrong they might have another friendly in between now but he's, he didn't take charge of the Lechia Gdansk uh, friendly the other day mm-hmm. um, so I think that his, his first match in charge is going to be the Super Cup and then of course his, his official his sort of competitive debut will be uh, the first round of the Spanish league season um, but yeah best of best of luck to Gerardo Martino I've, I wrote a piece for him on uh, ESPN FC um, so if, if people uh, do want to read anything rather than listen then they can go there Jonathan Wilson also did a good piece on, on him for The Guardian um, and Ewan Marshall uh, whose blog is at ilikefootballme.blogspot.com um, had a I'm not sure whether it's a recent piece or whether it's a piece that he linked to recently on Twitter from, from previously but he had a piece on sort of Martino's tactical um, master plan as well if anybody's looking for reading material on that 
And now, having moved on from uh, the new most important Argentine in the world, uh, or possibly just the <laughs> second, we, we've not decided yet, um, it's probably the, the easiest way to, to go into what's happened over the winter is to talk, first of all, about the transfer market. We're not going to run down every single in and out at every single club, of course, but some of the main ones. Um, managers, first of all, because we've had a few changes. Uh, don't know whether it's a huge number by Argentine standards, probably just average. Yeah, uh, but we've got, let's see, let's go down alphabetically, I guess, in, in terms of clubs. Uh, Julio Cesar Falcioni uh, has, has joined all boys. We already knew that was happening at the end of last season. Uh, no change for Argentinos or for Arsenal or for Rafaela or for Belgrano. Uh, Bianchi, of course, still in charge at Boca in spite of what some Hand of Pod listeners uh, were wondering whether would happen towards the end of last season. Mm. Uh, Ruben Forestello is in at Colón replacing... Who's he replaced? Remind me. Uh, Not Sensini. Sensini had already gone, hasn't he? No, it's, it's completely slipped from our minds who, who was the Cologne manager uh, last time. Um, so there you go. Uh, we've got any other replacements? Let's see very quickly. Of course, Martino himself has been replaced uh, bizarrely and slightly ironically. Newells have, uh, have made a Barcelona-like internal appointment um, as to replace Martino. We already knew that this was going to be happening um, when we last recorded. He's replaced by Alfredo Berti, who was the previous um, reserve team manager and although Ole are claiming that they've uh, put a photograph of, of Bertie up that looks much more like David Tressigate to me <laughs> um, who we shall we'll talk about in a second and we'll explain why he's been put up in a photo of Newell's Old Boys team you can probably guess unless you're quite <laughs> stupid um, Nelson Vivas the former Arsenal defender that's not Arsenal that's Arsenal um, has arrived as the manager of Quilmes replacing Omar de Felipe who stood down um, which is going to be interesting. I think it's Vivas' first managerial job, isn't it? He's only about 30, Vivas, 37 uh, or something. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's I think that's all the managerial changes, that's isn't it? Basically. So, so. Oh, oh no, of course. You Tigre. got Ganya back in Tigre. After For the third time, is it? After Gorosito's yeah. third spell ended. Yeah. Um, which unfortunately means that there's going to be slightly less awful. 80s rock star hair in the Argentine <laughs> Primera with, with Nestor Gorosito's departure um, but the main in that case the, I guess what people are going to care about more really is the main changes in terms of playing personnel for each side um, the really big moves have been David Tresegui who as we mentioned towards the end of last season was released by River Plate um, he has moved to Newell's Old Boys to replace Ignacio Scocco Ecoco himself, of course, has moved to Internacional. Um, I don't think that's quite a like for like because I can't see Tresegui playing quite as frequently as Scocco. Yeah, I, I thought that was a strange move by, I, by I guess Newell's. As much as anything, it might mm-hmm. take some pressure off Maxi Urruti, no, who, who I would think is going to be Newell's main. I mean, if they've got any sense, he, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll be more of a replacement for Scocco than. Uh, the Tresegay yeah. he's, he's much younger he'll have a better resale value if and when they come the, the time arrives to sell him on um, and I, I can't see Tresegay playing full 90 minutes uh, no. in a good number of matches apparently he scored a couple for the reserve team in, in mm-hmm. a friendly against uh, Tachira I think it was in Venezuela um, the other day uh, which was his first action so he is actually fit to play which mm-hmm. might have surprised one or two River fans who were told that he'd be out for six months with this cruciate ligament injury yeah. and all the rest of it uh, it surprised me slightly it, it's interesting how Newell's have got Damian Mansovac who's um, I think you know, that could be a fantastic sample yeah. um, he, he was uh, he's actually from the Newell's uh, youth uh, youth squad or he, he was uh, born and raised in the Newell's uh, club and um He's, he's back like something like 10 or 15 years after he left and um, 
he's been quite good in Ecuador. So yeah, it's, it's probably not a name. Seeing him, it might not be a name that many of our listeners would have heard of before, unless you're really into South American football. Possibly read or, or speak a bit of Spanish and follow uh, the Copa Sudamericana and the Copa Libertadores because he's been playing for. I mean, he's he's joined them from. Um, I'm trying to remember before scrolling down all the way to see who his yeah. former club was uh, from somebody in Ecuador. He's had two spells at Liga de Quito, 2007-2009, during which he won the Libertadores, as Santi says, um, and also back in, in 2012 he was there for, uh, for a brief period. He's played in Mexico as well. Um, he's a very sort of typical diminutive Argentine playmaker, <laughs> yeah. really, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and he was a bit of a wonder kid when he was in Newell's in his uh, in his early years. And do you got uh, any, any Argentina youth caps or anything? Do you know? Mm, I, he, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. He so played so in nineteen. Yeah, under Peckerman. Um, uh, he was he was called up for the uh, no, because he he, he would have made the ninety nine one, but we didn't make it. Mm. It was Nigeria ninety one, and Argentina didn't make it in yeah. that one. So. So that's almost a kind of other, another Maxi Rodriguez kind of signing, I guess, to sort of shore up the um, the attack in the attacking midfield area with a player who, who's been very successful abroad and is going to be coming back in and, and ought to do a very good job there. Um, apart from that, I, I would say I don't think Newells have done too badly. Uh, they, they've not done spectacularly in the transfer market with, with the possible. But you know, Hayes is still there, so Hayes is not retired. Yeah. The, the main thing that they've lost, the, the main part, cog in their in their machine that they've lost is Coco, and they have um, Ruti, as you said. They have um, Trezeguet now, and of course um, Manso. I think is a good signing, so they they should they should be okay. I think the the main loss that they have, of course, is um, Martino. Absolutely. Which is going to be hard to replace. Yeah, and, and that's why it's going to be very uh, interesting to see how Alfredo Berti um, steps up. Obviously, a, a man who knows the, the the club inside out and all these other kind of cliches that we make when when internal appointments that we don't really know anything about uh, are made. Uh, but as as Joel mentioned a few a couple of weeks before the end of last season, um, Newells were sort of neck and neck or, or with, with River in terms of the youth championships throughout last season. They they, they have a fantastic youth, youth um, setup and and it was overseen by Berti so we are talking about somebody who clearly does know what he's doing um, we'd have to assume at least Olimpo made one of the more bizarre signings of the season <laughs> one of the newly promoted clubs have, have um, signed from uh, Portland Timbers they've signed Jose Adolfo Valencia who is the son of, of Adolfo Valencia um, who our listeners are, I guess English listeners are mo- English speaking listeners are most likely to have heard of from his spells at Atletico Madrid or from uh, the, the New York New Jersey or Metro Stars um, in MLS and, and yes you're quite right yeah Bayern uh, I've forgotten about them this signing at least if we take the Argentine media's version of it seems to have been made entirely on the basis that he's his father's son uh, no one really seems to know whether he's any good himself at all or not but Paolo Rosales could also be a very good signing I think am mm. I mistaken to think he was with Olimpo before during that, that time mm, in, in can, I don't remember. think so I, sure I, I think he's been in Union oh Union that's who I remember yeah. it for yeah he's, he's just come back from Brazil uh, where he's had a couple of clubs over there um, I guess having mentioned Olimpo Robert right Mayer is well. also a good signing could be a good signing yeah. still um, having mentioned Olimpo, we may as well now talk about the other two promoted sides as well. Olimpo finished in third, didn't they, from, yep. from B Nacional? Um, although, bizarrely, with the, the best defensive record in the division. Um, Rosario Central won the championship with. They, they got one promotion with four games to play, and they won the, um, the second division championship on the last day of the season. And they've made 
a f- only a few, but I think quite good. So I've got Alejandro Donati from Tigre is, is going to be a far bigger loss to Tigre than gain for Central, I would think. But it, it, he could be very good indeed. Um, a couple of interesting ones from Boca: Paul Fernandez and Lisandro Magashan. Neither of whom are going to get much very playing promising. time at Boca. Mm-hmm. And they're. Um, I'm very it, happy to see Abreu back in the Argentine league too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Del Loco Abreu, the former River Plate um, and roughly 53 other clubs uh, hmm. player who's coming from Nacional of Uruguay. Um, I love how in, in South America, or at least in Southern South American football, whenever anybody does a panenka, uh, people uh-huh. here call it an abreu instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, true. Because these, these two players are exactly as, <laughs> as great as each other and, uh, and no more. Um, Carlos Luna could be a really good signing for them. That was confirmed yesterday yes. mm-hmm. as River Plate are desperately trying to, um, to free up foreign spots in their team. And by the look of it, from this list at least, uh, Gonzalo Castillejos coming in from, from Lanús, uh, he was... Playing for Central, I think he was the top scorer in the B. Was it the season that River were down in the B, or was it the season before that? I think it was the same season as River were there, so that was two years ago. Yeah, um, yeah I think so. Mm-hmm. And he, he then sort of came back to Lanús during the first half of last season and didn't really manage to, to hit the ground running, right. and I think they then loaded him somewhere in Ecuador. Um, Central have now brought him back, and if he was, let's say, affected by the surroundings of the club more than just being a second division player that could prove a very good uh, signing if he, if he feels at home again and I it think that's again on loan from Lanús It is strange that they brought so many offensive players though because you have Franco Niel I think he's a he's skilled player I, I, I like the way he plays right? I mean he's, a, he's also a forward you have Abreu, Luna, Castillejos, Niel that's, mm. and yeah it's... Um, it's, it's, it's strange how they're, they're, they're getting so much attackers and They're not going to be yes. short of options up front, yeah. are they, mm-hmm. by any means um, The other promoter side are Gimnasia y Grima La Plata The oldest um, the oldest club in South America Although they didn't actually start playing football as soon as they were founded So whether that's really a legitimate record, I'm not sure Oldest virgins in the world well, well now apart from they the 18, may have apart from the eighteen ninety nine title, which they did win, and no, sorry, nineteen twenty nine title, uh, which they did win, and which even they themselves don't count because it was in the amateur era. And we've we've I've yeah, done okay. this before about how <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get yeah, about yeah. people not counting amateur titles. Himnasi uh, have won one title in their history, but nobody uh, admits it. Himnasi um, actually finished in second behind yeah. Central uh, by either a point or two points, but had the best defence. In the division, sorry, the, the, the best attack in the division, the second best defence only behind Olimpo. They actually scored more and conceded fewer um, than Central did, but managed to pick up fewer points somehow. Um, and their signings, I have to say, I'm the least whelmed by, the most underwhelmed, the least overwhelmed um, of the three yeah. uh, promoted sides. And none of them are, are bad, but they're not spectacular. Mm. Maxi mm. Coronel, Ivan Borgelo coming in from All Boys, um, Juan Pablo Rodriguez coming back That's, to Argentina from Pumas yeah. in Mexico, um, and some of the players they've let go. I mean, Franco Niel, as, as you've just mentioned, Magashan. Cabrera. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so Ignacio is going to be very interesting. They've got a really tricky start as well. They're at oh, home to oh, River on Sunday. Oh. Um, so they, they need to hit the ground running. Um, and I mean, just looking at this, Gaston Diaz actually from Belas, the young midfielder, he, he he could be, he could prove to be a very good signing. Yeah, it's not a match be, winner though, but no, but it, it seems to be far more gambles than sort of sure things from Ignacio in, in the transfer it's market. True. 
Um, we're not obviously going to go through every single club and tell you who, who they have and haven't signed, but just very briefly, Santi, without looking at any of the lists, uh, presumably you're fairly aware of who's signed and who hasn't because yeah. you've been in Argentina over the last month. <laughs> have there been any clubs that have particularly struck you as having signed really well or really um, poorly? The, the main one is Lanús. Uh, they have let go of some of their mediocre forwards and they have Silva which I believe is one of the best strikers in the Argentinian uh, yeah I, I, I really really have a lot of confidence in the guy and I've got to admit if I was a Boca mm-hmm. fan I wouldn't be too disappointed yeah I know or, or if we, you were a Vélez fan or a Banfield fan I mean everyone hates the guy but still I think he's a brilliant forward and, and they also have Ortiz which is one of the high points in the Arsenal mm. in, the, in the last few years in Arsenal, and they have uh, they, they, they've got him in the midfield, and he's he's meant to set up a a, a lot of goals for uh, for Silva, and they, uh, signed, of course, Lautaro Costa, Somoza, yeah. It's almost mm-hmm. as if as if their manager has a good relationship with Boca Juniors yeah. or something. Uh, they've signed Santiago Silva, Lautaro Acosta, the youngster from, from Boca as well, Leandro, the vegetable Somoza. Um, oh, but he, he was very good in Vélez. Mm-hmm. He, he was very good at Vélez. He yeah. was very good for his first couple of seasons at Boca, but he was rubbish last yeah, season, so he really needs to pick it up this season. Can, can you really blame the Boca players who were bad last season, or, or do you have to blame the club itself and all the problems that they were <laughs> running to last have, season? I think you have to blame a little bit mm-hmm. of everything. Yeah. A little bit of everything, but I still think that Somoza is a very good player and Silva is as well. Yeah, and I think Somoza's out of Boca, there's, there's so many players who leave Boca or River and mm. they don't have the pressure anymore and they, they perform quite well in a lot of clubs. I agree so, with, that. I just, mm-hmm. with Somoza, he's at that kind of age now where this is going to be the season where we find out whether last season was just a bad season mm-hmm. or whether he actually is on the decline as a player. That's true. Because um, he's got to be, what, 33, 34 now, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe slightly younger, maybe 32, 33. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in Lenin, I have to say. They've lost some very big players they've lost Mario Regueiro he's gone just up the road to Racing um, they have lost Osvaldo Rondo, who's signed for Nantes for some ridiculously low fee about 3 million euros or something which doesn't mm-hmm. seem like very much considering the, the kind of defender he is but I guess that's the difference between signing a Venezuelan centre-back and signing an Argentine centre-back yeah, um, and they've lost Guido Pizarro who of course they almost lost a, a year ago uh, he was supposed to move to Fiorentina and then his Italian passport fell through or was found to be fake or something I'm not quite sure um, he's now gone to Tigres in Mexico um, so three and I, I suspect that Somoza is as much a replacement for, for Pizarro as anything else yeah. um, so three fairly big losses for them but they they should have done quite well um, and whilst you were talking about Lanús in fact having said that you were impressed with their signings uh, you reminded me by mentioning Jorge Ortiz that I think Arsenal yeah. are probably the side who've who've lost the most really important yep. players without I think really being able to bring no. many spectacular players like Milton Caraglio maybe Milton Caraglio is, is a decent one. player yeah. um, but just take us through Arsenal's losses Santi or the Arsenal well, the, fan the main ones are of course Lisandro Lopez we talked about that before he's, uh, he's went to Benfica he's already scored a goal there as well mm. uh, which is quite impressive for a you know a centre back and um, Jorge Ortiz as I've said um, so there you have your central midfielder, your central defender, and also the goal scorer, yeah. which isn't meant to, 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 to be a good signal if you're 
losing three of the main players who play in, in the middle of your field. And, um, as well as well, one of the most impressive box-to-box midfielders in the league, yeah. um, mm-hmm. in Carlos Carbonero. Carlos Carbonero, of course, yeah. He, he's gone to River. He, he's, I think he's meant to play in the first match this, this weekend for River, which could be impressive. <laughs> if they manage mm-hmm. to register in time, yeah. him in time, it will be. And, um, yeah, I, I, I saw... Um, the the first match uh, that Benedetto played in Tijuana, he scored a brilliant hat trick in, oh, the, yeah, in the Mexican yeah. league, and just 15 minutes into the first half, he he managed to chip the ball and just made a brilliant goal. And five minutes after that, he pulls another goal where he also chips the ball over the the, the goalkeeper, which of course doesn't speak too well about the the quality of defenders and goalkeepers in the Mexican league. Well, in but that still, match. In that, in that, yeah, of course. But still, I mean, he had scored 18 goals in something like 100 matches and he scores three in his first match in Mexico. It's, it's quite a thing. Um, so, yeah, basically, we've, we've lost the, the I mean, I'm quite happy that we didn't lose um, Campestrini as well, who, who was also meant to Yeah, he was to leave. Tossed, that would have been yeah. an enormous that would have, particularly yeah, would have been a big with, hit. with losing Lissandro so Lopez. It's, it's meant to be a transition season for Arsenal. Um, apart from Milton Caraglio, I, I, and there's also a very good replacement for Lissandro Lopez, which is Mariano Echeverria. He's played, yeah. for, he's played next to Lissandro Lopez in Chacarita, mm. and he's a very good defender with also some uh, offensive skills when it comes to set pieces. I have to say those are the only one those, those are the only players that I really have seen from the the, the players that Arsenal has um, taken yeah, this we season. Should, we should clarify uh, to Oh, of course, Lima. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we should clarify to explain why Santi's talking slightly slowly that we do of course have have a list up of all of the mm-hmm. the well, the most of the confirmed ins and outs. This is never 100% reliable yeah. this only um, page yeah. on this, but yeah, but it's meant to be a transition season for it's going to be the first mm-hmm. transition season that Arsenal have had in a while. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to remember the last time that Arsenal fans would have. Okay, maybe you weren't expecting to win a championship mm-hmm. at the end of 2011-2012, but it must be the first time in a while that you're looking at the beginning of a season and just uh, genuinely yeah. thinking we're going to have to put up with a step down this season. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, mm-hmm. Okay, a year ago you weren't expected to defend the championship; mm-hmm. you just won. Um, but you, neither were you expecting to be mid-table, and I think that's probably the best Arsenal can hope for this season, isn't it? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, basically, basically, yeah. Um, the you know the the Libertadores and Sudamericana, the, the Libertadores team especially has been a bit of a disappointment for Arsenal because, uh, of course, you're putting all of your energy in, into into this uh, international championship and it's been the third time in a row that we're in the same group as the champions of the Copa. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of, you're putting all of your effort into this and nothing comes back from that. So I think uh, I'm, yeah, it's a I bit disappointing. Yeah. A, a new conspiracy theory in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. Or you can say that next Libertadores where we get in, if you're in our group, then you have a one in three chance of being champion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We should mention Argentinos less for the players that they've uh, signed, although they have today confirmed the signing of Pablo Migliore. Yeah, who he's only played well, one match in Croatia. He played, he played four matches <laughs> four in matches. Croatia. He, he saved a penalty during normal time and then um, was the hero of the penalty shootout in the Croatian mm-hmm. Super Cup in, on his debut. Yeah, I heard that. Mm-hmm. So instantly became a fan favourite, uh, but never really got on with things in Croatia. Who would have known? Yeah, Who would have thought? He, he then mutually rescinded his contract with the club, which seemed to be... Uh, uh, from what I've been told by a, a Croatian journalist on Twitter, um, as much as anything that the club thought it was a, a 
good way of sort of getting rid of him without too much fuss as well that neither party were entirely happy with the other um, and it was obvious that Migliore wasn't settling one in Croatia and he's, he's returned to Argentina which is very bizarre of course because as we mentioned when he went to Croatia um, listeners will remember that he was involved in this murder trial um, earlier in the year harbouring uh, uh, I've forgotten the, the guy's first name but uh, Mazzaro um, who was suspected is, is the main suspect and I think has since been arrested uh, for the murder of this, this um, neighbour of a, another Boca Barra Brava um, Migliore was harbouring him Migliore was jailed for 40 days he was then let go on, lo- um, on, on bail and the judge told him that he could uh, go to Croatia if he promised uh, Scout's honour to return to Argentina should the, the trial require it. And of course, uh, one of the things that I mentioned at the time is that Croatia does not have an extradition treaty with Argentina. So apparently the first thing he said when he got off the plane in, in Zagreb um, was, I'm never going back to Argentina. <laughs> so it became instantly fairly obvious why he'd done this. He was on, I mean, he's actually on the television now. We've got, him on, we've got it on mute. Um, and he's talking uh, with Argentinos. We don't know what he's saying now. But when on the day that this was announced that he was coming back, he was being interviewed by Teise and he was saying, um, my dad spoke to me and, and said, don't come back. There's a reason for that, which I'll get on to in a second. Um, but Argentina has is, is never really left my head. I, I, I can't live here. I, I need to be back close to my family, even though I'm aware of what the consequences might be i.e. he knows that he's going to have to face an impending court case um, there are reports that his dad's terminally ill which is why his dad was telling him you know, don't come back on my, my behalf um, and he's today confirmed the signing for Argentinos Juniors which has slightly pissed off uh, Matias Ibanez yeah he's quite pissed um, <laughs> Matias Ibanez was formerly playing for um, San Lorenzo San Lorenzo um, Nelson Ibanez was the one who played for Godoy Cruz who's now signed for Racing and I, got, I made exactly the same mistake yeah. which is why I was checking Makes Twitter because Ibanez. Mariano Matias Ibanez is um, Matias now signed for Olimpo but he's very annoyed because he thought he'd signed well he actually had signed a contract with Akinos yeah. and they've, t- they've torn it up now they've announced Migliore part of me wants this to come back and, and bite Argentinos on the arse later on in the season like 10 games in relying completely on Migliore for a defence and then yeah. suddenly he gets arrested again and told he can't play for the rest of the season not, not so much because I, I like Argentinos but I don't like Caruso Lombardi and it would be enormously <laughs> amusing if, if it would happen uh, to, to a manager like Caruso Lombardi um, but the other reason that he's I meant to leave the club in the first 10 matches of the, of the season anyway that's yeah. what he does he just saves you from relegation and then he leaves the club in ruins and leaves. The other that's reason part of the, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Caruso Lombardi fan, but this is what he does. <laughs> and that's it. The other reason I wanted to mention mm-hmm. Argentinos, uh, not so much for the players they've signed, but for the way that they were doing it, is, is that um, Caruso Lombardi put on this reality show to find <laughs> players. Did you hear about this, Santa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you probably heard more detail than I have about it, so just tell it. It wasn't actually on television, but it was like a, yeah, I, I, an I mean, audition, I, right? Yeah, invited, I, I, you know, I talked about this before. On, what if on your friends were Yeah, no, no I, I, there was this guy in Twitter who, who, who went there in order to report on what was going on there and it, he basically did this open audition for anyone who thought they could play in first division football in Argentina so if you thought that you were up for it you could go and um, actually it was kind of meant to be private but then somehow it got leaked the to media, the press yeah. and then leaked yeah. in inverted commas this is Carlos yeah. Lombardi we're talking about remember and yeah you, you had of course people who um, this, this guy who was reporting from there uh, he heard some quite quite funny stories coming up from there like 
people who say that their only experience playing football was playing with their friends and <laughs> yeah, every Sunday with their friends and stuff like that. And it was very funny when uh, Caruso at the beginning of of the um, of the winter uh, break, he said, "We're gonna need between 12 and 15 players for the squad. 12 and 15 players. That's that's like the whole team plus five players. It's more or less you, what they've signed. As yeah. Well. You, so you have absolutely no confidence in the guys. Of course, this has a reason to be, and the reason is Caruso is famous for taking a little bit out, out of every player that signs for his club." and taking a small bit out of that transaction for himself. So this is why he wants to sign 15 players. And then charging the player to play further down yeah. the line. So that's why he wants as many players as possible, because obviously he's in, he's in it for the money. So that's why he signed this ridiculous number of players, which, apart from, I know, Miranda... Hernan Pollero, Nicolás Olmedo, Matias Mirabaje... Uh, Cristian Maidana, Osvaldo Miranda, Miranda was a goal scorer in Ferro, José Luis Palomino, Leandro Sanchez, Diego Barisone. Palomino, perhaps. No, there's a couple more. And Mirabaje, both a couple of young kind of fullbacks, if I remember right, from San Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, yeah, it's not, he's not very inspiring. Yeah. Um, so Argentinos might not be too much better to watch this season than they will next. They are, of course, no, in relegation trouble. We're going to get mm-hmm. on to that shortly. The two teams who've probably done best from the transfer window, in my opinion, at least, are, drum roll please, San Lorenzo, they've made some very good signings indeed, yeah, Fabrizio Fontanini mm-hmm. from Atletico Rafaela, Fernando Elisari, who was one of the revelations of the final, and Puchol Martin Fontanini. Did you know that he called him that? Pardon? Puchol Fontanini, because Puchol. He, yeah. <laughs> that's, he, that's, he has this... That's Poyol uh, in English, uh, <laughs> or, well, Poyol in Catalan, Puyol in English, uh, yeah. I, the, the Barcelona. He, he has a long so, mane of curly... Blondish hair, so that's why he, they call him Puyol. He looks um, nothing like Puyol, actually. But no, still, <laughs> certainly doesn't. Um, could be a good time. Catarucho could be fantastic. Elisari, if he keeps up last last season's form, could be mm-hmm. brilliant as well. Um, and a bunch of, of really good signings there. Um, only a handful, not 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 loads, but very very good ones. What yep. they made, it. promising. Pretty promising. much all of the ones they've let go, I would say, nothing really that particularly stands out as being too damaging for the squad. Um, Frank O'Hara has gone back to Benfica. He was absolutely awful. Yeah. Uh, Fernando Mesa, mm, maybe, but I mean, he's gone to Olympia. I don't think yeah. they're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, the, the other, okay, we, we, uh, a word aside for Tigre, who saw how poor Jose Sand was last season for Racing and thought, yes, that's exactly the striker we need to reinforce our attack. <laughs> um, um. Sang was quite good in a couple of seasons. I think he's one of those players who may be brilliant one season and then awful the next. Mm. So, you know, it's it's a gamble. But Yeah. Just Tigre definite net losers, though. I mean, they've, they've lost Martin Galmarini, who was the captain. Yeah. He's gone to Atlanta in Big Mexico. Uh, they've lost Donati, as we've already mentioned. Uh, they have lost Ruben Botta, of course, and they've lost Ezequiel Maggiolo. And Lucas Orban has now gone to Bordeaux. Yeah. And Tigre and already managed to, to get half the transfer fee because half of it went to River. Um, <laughs> so Lucas Orban goes to Bordeaux for uh, 3.5 million euros of which 50% goes to Tigre 50% goes to River who I don't think Orban ever played a first team game for um, yeah I think he did actually in Argentinos oh yeah I think so oh, oh you might be right yeah before he moved to Tigre online the first time one or two tops on which no I think the other team who've done very very well indeed in the transfer market if they can get everyone registered <laughs> as I say is River Plate um 
They started off by uh, finally, after a very protracted set of negotiations, signing Jonathan Fabro, who over the last couple of years has been the best player by a distance from what uh, Ralph Hanna tells us in the Paraguayan League. Uh, he's a playmaker, he's played for Boca Juniors before, but he is a River Plate fan. Um, he's already said that he's going to celebrate if he scores against Boca. Yeah, um, he, he is from the Boca lower divisions yeah as well. yeah, yeah as is his lower, brother his, uh, his brother Dario is his agent and, and his, Dario is a massive box I actually followed Dario Fabro on, on Twitter and I had an argument with him once about the Copa Argentina um, and he's a massive Boca fan uh, but yeah. Jonathan is, is a river fan and he spells Jonathan properly which is unusual in South America so well done to him for that uh, they signed Carlos Carbonero from Arsenal as we mentioned brilliant player they brought back uh, Ferreira from Independiente um, I don't think that's a good signing at all it's a former player who knows the club I mean that's the yeah, one that impresses me least uh, they managed to I don't know really whether managed to is the right word but Manuel Lancini rejected an offer from Banias in uh, yeah. United Arab Emirates and I'd like to just should have taken it mm. I'd like to take a moment aside here for just to big up Manuel, Lanz- uh, Manuel Lancini a bit because so many players have taken that move because it was a fuckload of a lot of money yeah. um, and he would have never had to work again when he stopped playing hmm. he's obviously decided he's going to be better served in terms of his footballing development by staying in Argentina by trying to get a transfer elsewhere in a couple of years time and has said no um, which has left River really with the choice between him and Fabro or both for the, the playmaking position which I think is uh, fantastic diversity um, even if it wasn't entirely River's own doing um, and they brought in after the most protracted transfer story of the winter Teo Gutierrez the gunman hmm. is back in uh, Primera División football I know that English Dan is seething about this or, or not as the case may be um, Teo has already said that he, he won't celebrate if he scores against Racing. He's scored 11 goals in the first half of 2013. And goals were exactly what River were missing, particularly from their strikers um, during the Torneo Final. So that could be an enormous... That could very well be the best signing of the, of the summer. Um, yeah, but of it's, the winter. It's, it's still strange how they're, they've, they've let Luna go, they've let Trezeguet go, they've let Mauro Diaz go. Well, this is they're the just signing the, Teo and... Who else are they going to put up front? Uh, along with Carlos Carbonero, they've signed two Colombians during this transfer window. Um, that's not normally a huge problem, of course. We have nothing against Colombians here on Hand of Pod. But what it does mean is that Rivers' squad is has two players, two foreign non-Argentine players, too many um, for AFA regulations. You're only allowed to register. I think it's four. I might, it might be four three. Or maybe five. And of course, now that Eder Alvarez Balanta signed a professional contract, he's tipped them over the limit, yeah. and they decided to keep signing foreigners anyway. They have Sanchez, who is from Uruguay. They've got Balanta. They've got Balanta. Carlos Sanchez, who's from Uruguay. They um, and Carbonero. No, no, but the ones they already had were those two, um, Juan Casares, who has been loaned to Banfield this season, and yet for some reason that still counts towards River's uh, count of uh-huh. players. So River are thinking of selling part of his federative rights, which are the registration rights he has with FIFA and with the AFA, um, to the Ecuadorian club that they bought him from whilst retaining the um, economic rights they hold on him. That would free up one spot. The difference between federative rights and economic rights is one that I can maybe give you an answer to on Twitter if you're really, um, really, really curious. But it's, <laughs> it's very complicated. Um, and the other foreigner that they had was oh god, I've forgotten. Oh, Adalberto Roman, the Paraguay. Oh yeah. So they're planning on at the moment. Carlos Sanchez is planning on getting an Argentine passport. He actually left training a couple of hours early today to go and pick it up, hopefully. Um, and they're trying to sell Adalberto Roman. They've got offers for him from Brazil, Turkey. 
how, how in the world are they going to sign? Well, we've just seen something else now, which we're going to get on to. They've, they've had offers from Adalberto Roman from Brazil, Turkey, and Paraguay, and possibly Mexico or something, I think. And we've just seen on the television, as I said, we've got it on mute, that Rodrigo Moura looks like he's coming back to River as well. Um, I have no idea how are they signing He's Uruguay. He is from Uruguay. How on earth are they going to fit all of these players into their squad? Um, and at the same time, as Santi's already said, who's going to play alongside Teo Gutierrez? Uh, the, the main um, Gutierrez uh, is still in Colombia at the moment. He's had a couple of things to, to sort out regarding um, his uh, move to Argentina. He's, he's in, uh, in Colombia at the Argentine embassy trying to, to sort out the entry visa or something for the country. I don't know. It's nothing that's going to prevent him coming in, but it is something that's been delayed a little bit. Um, which means he's not going to turn up in time for the debut against Gimnasia La Plata on Sunday. Meaning that this Sunday, as it stands at the moment, River are going to be choosing between Giovanni Simeone and Federico Andrada. Um, if Simeone's surname sounds familiar to you, it's because he's Diego Simeone's son, and he has been impressing a lot for yeah. River's youth size. Federico Andrada, to say that he's been impressing a lot would be the understatement of the century. He is hmm. the all-time leading goalscorer in the youth divisions. Yeah, but Jose Sand used to be. Yes. So that's not saying a lot. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> but at least Jose Sand was impressive yeah, yeah. at the time. Because it, it does happen that if, if you're the top goalscorer of the reserve divisions, it also means that you haven't been fast enough to reach the first team. Absolutely. So yeah. that's kind of a, you know... Andrada is... Mm-hmm. How old do we think Andrada is? Take a guess before I look him up. 19 or 20. But it's kind of a two-edged sword. Sword. For some reason, I just looked is up Fernando well and Andrada sword? is Federico. A double-edged sword. A double-edged sword. That's what I was looking for. Santi says that he likes to come and join Hand of Pod at times because it's like a free English class. That's true. Um, and he is, he's 19 and a half, so he's not exactly a slow developer. Um... For It'll be interesting to see how he. Yeah, we'll see. How he, I have more faith in in Simeone. Yeah, and yeah. That was anyway. We've now spent roughly thirty-five minutes discussing uh, transfers, transfers, so I think we'd better get on to some other stuff. I'm going to play a little bit of incidental music. But we haven't talked about Bocas transfers. Oh, we have. May have we? be a bit important for yeah, all yeah, for yeah. Boca fans. Yeah, who are listening. Hits, and there's a big one who's um, Fernando Gago. He was mm. the as we say here the vedette of the last transfer market and he was um, sorry just explain that expression yeah, for us the, um, the, the B-Day yeah he, he, he was the the big thing in the, in the last transfer, transfer market in, in the summer and everyone is you know falling over him so that's why we call him the B-Day and um, he, he signed for Boca now that's the reason because everyone falls over it yeah because that's, everyone that's is looking at this guy and everyone is talking about him and everyone is kind of you know having a hard on over this guy so that's why he, he gets called this way and he's now signed um, Fernando Gago he's now signed for Boca which I, I think it'll be very interesting to see him next to Riquelme and it's sharing the midfield because he, he not, hasn't done it and it's not mm-hmm. alone it's a free transfer as well uh, mm-hmm. Valencia actually let him go last week um, oh. bizarre all round he's only 27 yeah still at the he is the an undisputed he's going to be in the world, the world he Club is going to be undisputedly so um, okay. Other signings that Boca have made: Manuel Tripodi, the goalkeeper, comes in from Quilmes, one of the better <laughs> goalkeepers of the, the Donel, well, of, of the whole of last season, mm-hmm. really. I thought. Um, Carlos Rianos coming in from mm-hmm. San Martín, which could be very interesting. Franco Cangile is one of the ones who everyone's been talking about, and I've not really seen anything of him. Yeah, I've seen him play a couple of friendlies for Boca, and he's been quite impressive in the friendlies. So let's let's see if he can keep up the level in proper matches. Um, Manu he, he was Giondi, very good mm-hmm. um, from Colón. 
is, is one of the others who's going to be charged with uh, the very difficult task <laughs> of replacing Santiago Silva. Yeah, uh, Jesus Mendes also. Mm. Uh, he's been brilliant for Central. He's actually, you know, one of the Central supporters' biggest um, idols. Yeah. And he's back in Boca. And Cata Diaz is also back from Atletico de Madrid. I think they've... they've, they've they started off slow, but then they, they've got a couple of interesting names. Yeah, they, they could hardly make any signings that were going to make the squad worse than it was last season. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's, so it's that's important a, how many players are lost from here. They, you know, they Clemente lost, Rodriguez. They, they, they've, they've let go. I mean, not not even sold, but just let some of these go on freeze. No fewer than I think eighteen or twenty players or something. Let's read them all out, shall we? Yeah. Here we go. Clemente Rodriguez went to São Paulo and got and got um, sent off on sent his off on, yeah. um, <laughs> in the South American Super Cup. Walter Eviti has gone to. Atlante in Mexico Oscar Ustari we're not going to tell you who they've all gone to but he's gone back to Spain to Almeria Leandro Samosa of course to Lanús Nicolás Colasso who's gone to All Boys I think that could be a really good signing for All Boys by the way yeah. um, that's on a six month loan uh, Lisandro Magallan, Sergio Araujo, Franco Sosa, Lautaro Acosta, Sebastián Palacios, Eman- Emiliano Albín, Orlando Gaona Lugo, Lisandro Magallan, Paul Fernández, Cristian Celay um, and they've just let go uh, someone called A. Garcia Basso uh, to Douglas Haig uh, Ezequiel, Ezequiel Benavides uh, Cristian Alvarez J. Inbert, Inbert I've never heard of him I think he's the third he was the third goalkeeper but okay. I may be wrong Santiago Silva Lucas Viatri has been sold to Jaguares de Chiapas and uh, two people called Baima and Flores who I've also never heard of so uh, something yeah. like 18 players have <laughs> been let go from Boca there um, which gives you some idea of what Carlos Bianchi thought of them all during the, the previous semester of course one reason that they've gone slightly berserk is that uh, in the previous in, during the summer transfer window Argentine clubs are, are only allowed to sign three uh, um, players during the summer transfer window unless they're in the Libertadores in which case they're given an extra player uh, so Boca was somewhat limited last season and they've uh, more than made up for it this time around I think it's fair to say improvements but I still can't really see them finishing far above mid-table personally no me neither um, it's just yeah, difficult to see yeah, that I, I amount think of, that, of yeah I think the squad needs some time to gel and exactly. some time to know each other and besides you still have Riquelme which is meant to be very good football wise but very bad from a team standpoint or from a human standpoint so let's see how it goes absolutely um, we're going to take a break short right now and recharge our glasses so I'm going to play some music when we get back we will talk very briefly about friendlies we're not going to go over them too much because they're generally not very serious things in Argentina and then some of the always uh, entertaining off-pitch well entertaining or infuriating off-pitch stuff that happens in Argentina and which has been happening over the winter break so don't go away very much to say about the friendlies. In Argentina pre-season friendlies are often these bizarre things of like 30 minutes each half played at clubs training grounds with absolutely no fans and yet they still get reported in the papers as a pre-season friendly. Um, so we're not going to dwell on them too much but there have been a couple of winter cups. There's been the Copa de Invierno which uh, River Plate won uh, with a 1-1 draw and then a penalty shootout win against Racing um, and there's been uh, one really big one that might even have been reported in Europe if uh, 
there was any particularly slow news days um, because it's involved actually it's still going on it's this direct TV Copa Euroamericana yeah thing. it's something like they're, 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 they've they're sent over players the European the uh, European teams which uh, Atletico de Madrid is the biggest one and there's uh, some smaller European teams Porto. that have um, played Atletico Madrid Porto mm-hmm. and, and there's uh, some Spanish, player and, and there's also one from Norway no, no, it's just Atletico Porto in Sevilla. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, trust me, this is the website for it here. Um, and they're playing, basically, they're, th- those three European wow. sides have come across and they're playing in their own stadiums. Uh, quite in, sure. They're playing in the stadiums of Estudiantes de la Plata, Universidad Católica, Misionarios FC of Colombia, Barcelona of Ecuador, uh, Sporting Cristal of Peru, Atletico Nacional of Colombia, uh, and Suategui, who are one of the clubs who we talked about briefly in the Libertadores. They were in the same group as... Not you, not Arsenal. Mm. They might have been the same group as Boca. Tigre. Oh, Tigre, well done, yes. Uh, during the Copa Libertadores and Nacional of Uruguay. Um, at the moment, the score stands at America, that's Latin America 2, Europe 4, from the games that have been played so far. Um, one of the two that Latin American sides have won was in La Plata, in the Estadio Único, and Santiago was there. So yeah, I was lucky enough to be at the Estadio Único de La Plata, which is a very nice stadium if anyone comes to Argentina and wants to do the day trip to La Plata and yeah. catch an Estudiantes match. Don't bother looking at the pitch, though, it's blocking. The stadium is lovely, <laughs> but the pitch is awful. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very nice stadium. And, um, it's the stadium that a lot of the Copa America matches uh, yeah. took place in uh, two sure. years ago. And um, it was a bit of a slow-selling friendly until three days before the match it was announced that Juan Sebastián Verón's return was going to be in this match and that was when the city of La Plata went absolutely mental over this match and um, it was about 80% full which is quite good for the Estadio Único de La Plata which is made to be way bigger than either Estudiantes or Gimnasia can, can, can fill. Yeah. And, um, well, it, it was a quite, an, quite an entertaining match. Estudiantes won 1-0 by way of a brilliant goal by um, Colombian forward. I'm just about to say Carbonero, but it's not Carbonero. It's Duban uh, no, no. Zapata. Well done. And um, Duban Zapata, who was rumored to go to Italy, mm. This transfer uh, transfer season, and actually, you had um, the the manager. Um, I'm also forgetting Simeone. his name. No, that's Pellegrino. Pellegrino, who actually threatened to quit if Duan Zapata left the club, and he's actually staying in in Estudiantes now. And he's he's him, been basically him feeding onto Veron's long diagonal balls from the halfway line. Yeah, Estudiantes could be, be improved this season purely yeah. by by Veron's presence. Yeah, but the and thing that Veron was just that you were saying Veron was moving about very well. Yeah, we're talking about a thirty. 38 or 39 year old who's been for a year playing Sunday league literally Sunday league for the last season and he was very good I mean he did play for just one hour or so but he was very impressive he still has the the mentality to just with one touch clean the play and make it a whole different play Mm. so and he wasn't playing against you know the Salta no, that Combinado actually, that Boca played against last night. It I was Atlético de Madrid. I caught a bit of it on the TV, and it was uh, for a preseason friendly. It was, yeah, it was well fought. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't played entirely like a friendly. Well, it was, you know, obviously it was a friendly. Yeah, um, but it wasn't sort of just nobody caring at all. No, no, of course. I guess it is. Well, the other thing was Diego Simeone bringing a club back, bringing his his new team back to one of his former teams. So he wanted to 
to show, you know, he wants them to take it seriously yeah. and everything as well. He also had a, I think it was the Michelis's, the Michelis's first match in Atletico de Madrid. He was right, whistled, yeah. uh, he was whistled a lot in the Estadio Único. And uh, as I said, uh, the, the, the main thing that everyone was impressed about was Verón's form. He was very good and he, he was in the left side of the pitch, he was at the right side of the pitch, he was in offense when he was needed and supporting the offensive plays. He was also behind the line of the ball when the, when Atletico grabbed the ball and he, he had to defend. So very, very impressive show by uh, by Beron there. We'll see so, whether he keeps it up when the yeah, we have to up. see, but still very promising. Mm-hmm. Off the pitch, uh, the main thing to report is... Surprise, surprise, it's yet more ridiculousness from the Argentine Football Association. Um, We already knew, uh, we might not have mentioned it on the podcast, but we already knew from a few weeks ago, um, that the the Argentine League in all divisions uh, this season is going to be home fans only until further notice, uh, just as was the case for the last two rounds of the last season, after the Lanús fan... um, uh, Javier Harris was shot dead by La Plata Police yeah. in, funnily enough, the Estadio Unico, the yeah. Santos Vinter. Um, this is, has been going on in lower divisions for quite a while now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the, there was some some trouble, first of all, surrounding a San Lorenzo versus Boca Juniors um, friendly in inverted yeah. commas, which uh, which was suspended, winter, which has still not been played. It's not going to be played. Uh, there was a Boca Juniors, well, a, not a Boca Juniors, a Landose. Uh, Firefight before the match, and there were two two people killed. Uh, Rafael Di Seo is denying being part of it, even though there are images of a man who appears to be him, um, uh, right right next to the scene on a motorbike. Um, he, he's saying they want to uh, to dirty my reputation. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think you've done quite enough of that yourself, actually, already, Rafa. Um, but the upshot of all of this is that not only is it going to be. Uh, home fans only for the first two rounds of at least of the Torneo Inicial but for the first two rounds it's going to be not just home fans but home members only if you're in Argentina in the next few weeks if you want to go to a match actually not in the next few weeks in the next week and a bit because the second leg is going to be played in the middle of next week um, if you want to go to a football match whilst you're here next week uh, you can't basically you have to take out membership of a club uh, or try and get a you know a contact in the barra or something. Uh, I'm like sure that. there will be absolutely no way around this security measure at all. Uh, there is in Argentina, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, security measures in Argentina are always being taken so seriously. Exactly. Um, but this really is a, a, another level to. They've announced that this this ridiculous ID card scheme, the AFA Plus, isn't going to take take effect until next year. I guess because of slow uptake. I'm, uh, I don't know exactly why. Um, th- this was going to be a biometric identification card combined with an electronic ticket, um, which would have meant that you, you absolutely had to have one of these cards in order to get into a stadium on match day. Now, of course, no one's suggesting that particularly the main tour companies and the Barra Bravas were not going to be able to find a way around this, particularly where tourists are concerned. Um, but the AFA themselves admitted they didn't really have any provision for tourism, even though the website of this ID card scheme uh, specifically states that they do. This is going one step beyond that, because it's like... Well, it's, it's not going one step beyond, it's meeting them halfway, because after having had to knock one thing back for six months, they're now saying, yeah, but you can only come if you're a member. And as Santi, as you rightly say... Uh, Batters are going to get it anyway with yeah, members or not. It's, mm-hmm. it's not really going to do yeah, it. They can get the membership quite easily anyway. You just have to yep. use your um, ID, your Argentinian ID, and let them take a picture of you. And, you know, m- most of the 
trouble that's going on in uh, in the Argentinian league right now. It isn't even inside a stadium, so mm. it's it's all just a big folly. It's, it's, it, this is not meant to uh, to actually improve security measures. The the authorities always mm-hmm. have to be seen to be doing something, even when it's not actually being done. Yeah, that's basically um, that's how it works here. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. And and to to which end we've we've got another point that's happening this weekend. Of course, is the Independiente um, are making their debut, their first match in uh, over a hundred years. Yes, first yeah. match in one hundred and one years uh, in these below the first division. No, uh, their first match ever. Well, they got promoted. Oh, did remember? They? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't be amateur. <coughs> only, <Bart>. only Boca <laughs> Juniors came up to the Primera by decree. Um, mm-hmm. Independiente and River both both want their places, so they they both had been in the B before. Um, and uh, it, well, it was in fact a Boca. It's just the difference is that Boca never actually gained promotion. Um, here says the River fan. Um, they're, they're playing Brown de Drogue on Saturday at uh, Brown de Drogue's first match in the Nacional B2 oh is it yeah. of course yeah they were promoted weren't they yeah. mm-hmm. I've gotten mixed up with Almirante Brown mm-hmm. um, they're playing them at 10 past 8 no hang on no they're not no, no. This, this is now they're playing at 4pm mock, mock mm-hmm. correcting myself of course uh, for those who didn't mention uh, bizarrely La Nacion have managed to put 10 past 8 in the headline and quarter past 8 in the story um, but they're going to be playing them at 4 in the end, uh, it's been brought forward for security reasons, as it always is. Uh, Santa, you, I, I hadn't heard about this before we started recording, whereas you appeared to have done. So, what can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, they, they were supposed to be playing at 3 p.m. first. Then it was officially confirmed to be at 8 p.m. And now it's changed back to 4 p.m. What can I say about this? This is just standard alpha, mm. you know. You know, dancing with the timesheets and just putting stuff here and there to see how it fits. And um, regarding, um, you know, on a sports level, it's it's funny how they're... Because the, the first match that River played in Nacional B, I, I don't exactly remember the team that they played against, but it wasn't such a typical lower division team as no. Brown de Rogue, you know? This is kind of like shoving them into the reality of Nacional B. You're not playing... I mean, if you maybe start against Ferro... You know, you're playing against a team that you've played against before, mm. but just playing against Brown de Drogue, the manager of Brown de Drogue lives in the Brown de Drogue club. He has a room in there and he lives there because he can't afford to pay for anything else. So, uh, it's 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 going to be quite an interesting match, in my opinion. Indeed, but still, I have no idea why they think that it's more secure to, to play it at 4 p.m. than at 8 p.m. Well, anyway. I can give you some. First of all, we'll just mention that the River's first ever match, well, River's first match in over a century in the B was against Chacarita, Chacarita of course. a club who are more than used to Primera stuff. So I think really what Santi's point is, is that uh, in the case of this coming Saturday is going to be the biggest match that Brown de Aldrogue have ever played. By far. It, it would have been even if they hadn't been playing Independiente. If, yeah. if they'd been playing. Yeah, or something. It would have still been the biggest match yeah. in their history. As it is, they're playing uh, Independiente, one of the big five. Whereas Chacarita have played bigger matches uh, than than a second division game against River Plate in their history before the first round of the 2011-12 season. The other thing is that the reason that is being given. Uh, for this change of, of time is that there were rumours at least that the Independiente Barra Brava were going to be ambushing the squad or the fans or the opposing team or who the hell knows what but they were going to do an ambush at some uh-huh. point 
um, prior to Saturday's game, and that's why the, the kickoff time has been brought forward. This is according to uh, Florencia Arrieto, who was the uh, Arrieto. Sorry, I was attempting very poorly there to roll my R, but she's only, <laughs> only got one R in her surname. Um, uh, who, who used to be the uh, the head of security at Independiente? Um, we we mentioned the fact that she'd been fired or, or had had her contract ended by mutual consent with Javier Cantero uh, during last season when that first happened, um, and she apparently tipped the police off to the to the fact that that this was a, a possibility. And there were a few whispers beforehand, and people said, "No, it's not going to happen, really." And then she apparently contacted the police and said, "Look, I've heard this from good sources; it is going to happen." And that's why they brought the time forward. Uh, still announcing the fact they brought the time forward days before. I guess they haven't really got much of a choice because the fans have all got to know what time to turn up at the stadium. But you sort of wonder. I mean, well, the batters get up four hours earlier, and they can still do it. Yeah. What's it going to they, change? They can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, you can argue that you know, barras by nature are meant to wake wake up late, but still, it's a very flimsy argument. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, so for, yeah, who knows? Football para todos. Um, Means that uh, with with a, a big five side in the B, this change of time is also going to result in changing kickoff times uh, in the Primera because, of course, Independiente's games can't be played at the same time as a Primera match that actually people want to watch. I uh, really want to watch the, the Independiente match. So very Even more so than all yeah. boys against Atletico Rafaela. So, so very sensibly, yeah. uh, Football Paratonas are going to be showing Independiente versus Brown de Antrogue at the same time as all boys against Atletico Rafaela. Mm-hmm. Um, Tigre Veles goes to quarter past eight and Colón Racing. No, sorry, Tigre Veles goes to ten past six and Colón Racing goes to quarter past eight. Yeah, they have uh, to appeal to the sh- Schadenfreude. Is that how you, how you say it? Schadenfreude. That's how we say it in English, anyway. I'm sure we've got some German listeners who'll mm-hmm. be able to c- correct my, my pronunciation. Uh, yeah, but they have to appeal language. to the crowd who want to laugh at the Dependiente playing against Brown de Drogue. Indeed. So. It's meant to be a very interesting match, and absolutely. Apparently, Independiente are going to be going for a super attacking, something like a three-two-three-two or a three-two-two-two, three-two, yeah, three-three-two-two or a 3 We're not going to touch into second division signings, but I think that the best signing that they have made is Matias Pisano, which is a very, very interesting forward from Chacarita. He was by far the best player last last season in the third division, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him with the Independiente shirt. Absolutely. Um, Now, we are aware, of course, that the uh, the others aren't here with us. We we couldn't help but be aware of it, because my living room's only very small and would be much more crowded if nobody had turned up. Um, But I did send a questionnaire around to to the boys. Uh, Joel is sitting on the fence. He's the only person who didn't reply to it. Um, Bad Joel. Santiago, for some reason, replied to it, even though he already knew he was going to be be here recording. I think he might have got slightly confused about it, possibly. Um, I'm going to be going over the the, the predictions for the matches uh, at the end of the season when we actually know what the results are, essentially so that we can laugh at the people who got them wrong. Uh, but the other ones I'm going to read out now. I've asked for some. Uh, who, who do you think is going to be the main breakthrough uh, kid? And I'm, I'm going to summarise here. We've, we've had like five or six people uh, responding. So the most popular options for the breakthrough of the torneo inicial were Giovanni Simeone, who we've already mentioned, and Angel Correa of San Lorenzo, who I think is uh, not really a breakthrough kid at all because he was playing a fair bit last season. Yeah, but he's, uh, he's, he's still only like 18 years old, mm-hmm. so he could well be. Um, I asked who people thought were the initial winners B, and the most popular options for that were River, San Lorenzo, and Lanús. Um, I have to say my own prediction is is River, 
given the signings that they've made and assuming they've bet in properly. Best signing, the most popular option with like two votes or something was, was Teo Gutierrez. Um, the others were, were sort of split. The worst was bizarrely two people, including you, Sandy, went for Jonathan Fabro. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to gel well with the um, added competition of playing in the Argentinian league instead of the Paraguayan league, which I think is way inferior okay. to the Argentinian one. Mm, we'll see. Um, and Seba alone has mentioned Jose Sand, but I've decided to, to uh, second Seba's nomination of Sand uh, because it didn't... Uh, uh, I guess it just kind of flew under everybody's radar because they just took it for granted he wasn't going to be playing. For but Sand was a truly terrible at racing. He was bad. And as, yeah. uh, as Seba puts it, uh, Tigre have developed a bit of a habit of signing shit racing forwards um, <laughs> with uh, Santander and, and a couple of other guys in, in recent years. Um, the relegated teams at the end of the season, everybody, everybody has voted for Olimpo. The majority have voted for Argentinos Juniors, and the other relegation spot is between Quilmes and Rafaela, according to Hand of Pod uh, fans. Seba, I think, went for, oh no, somebody, uh, Mariano, went for Godoy Cruz to get relegated, but pretty much everybody else went for either Quilmes or Atletico Rafaela. So we shall see in a year's time uh, who that ends up being. And now, dear listeners, we have some questions to answer. First is from Alejandro Miranda, who says, um, Now that Ede Alvarez Balanta has signed a pro contract, will he be a starter? How long do you think he'll stay at River? Or rather, how long can they keep him? I think to the first question, yes, absolutely, definite. I mean, he was a starter when he was only an amateur, um, to the extent where they got him to sign a pro contract before the season had even finished. Um, how long will he stay at River? They were about to sell him in this transfer window, actually. So yeah, they, they if, if they keep him for one whole year, it's going to be a big thing. Oh, yeah. I, I, if he's still here when the transfer window shuts, I, I, the transfer window shuts like three weeks into the season. Um, the European transfer window, I mean, shuts three weeks into the Argentine season. And if he's still there, then I think River can consider it a minor success because if they get one of the offers that the, the they were supposedly received for him was like 12 million euros yeah which for a kid okay he looks fantastic but for a kid who's played less than 10 matches it is absolutely insane Um, they should bite their arm off even though he's potentially their best defender Um, I would agree entirely so how long can River keep him they're not necessarily going to be trying to hang on to him uh, the other thing with River, of course, is they're desperately trying to sell the Funes Mori twins, <laughs> and they can't. The Funes Mori twins' contracts both run out in a year's time. Ramiro is refusing to sign an extension, um, so they've been frozen out of the squad. The, the directors have told Ramon Diaz not to take them into account. And this kind of makes you realise what a difficult situation Argentine clubs can be put in when this happens, because River, basically, if River receive an offer of $1 million for the two of them tomorrow they'll almost have to accept it because yeah. they're that desperate to sell. Yeah, because in, in a year's time, if they don't sell them, then they, they'll just have to let them go for free. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Alejandro also asks, have there been any players from Argentina that have Welsh, Irish or German descent and have played in the Primera? I've read an article about the only German that's played in Argentinian league. He was something like in the 1940s or so. Mm. I can't really remember his name. He was um, a bit like... He was an expatriate of Nazi Germany and ended up playing, I think, in Cologne or something like that. Yeah. But that was like the only German national that, that had played in um, in the Argentina League. It was an article, if you know Spanish, in La Redo, which is, I, think, I think it's the best um, Argentine football blog that there is. And they've been great for a few years. So if you do know Spanish, just look it up. In terms of Argentines who have uh, descend, uh, well, who have uh, not descendants, um, um, descent ancestors oh, um, yeah. from those countries, uh, the answer is yes, definitely. Uh, in terms of Celtic nations, at least, or Celtic nations, depending on how you prefer to pronounce it, um, I'm not sure whether they were Welsh or Irish or Scottish, but the McAllister brothers are probably the most well-known. Hmm. Carlos and what was the other one called? Patricio. Um, didn't really know that he Mac- had a brother. McAllister. Um, Carlos McAllister is a very well-known uh, Boca Juniors midfielder. I want to say midfielder. Um, defender. Defender, defender, yeah. And now a candidate for La Pampa for... Oh, really? Yeah. Well, no, no, they they, <laughs> for, run, they mm-hmm. run a football for school senator. out in La Pampa province. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a candidate for senator for Pro, which is the mm. Buenos Aires' uh, mayor, Mauricio Macri's party. Yeah. Okay, that's Argentine politics anyway. We probably don't care about this. So, Except yeah. for whether it uh, involves football, of course, which is fairly frequently. <laughs> yes, <it's> sure. <laughs> um, so the short answer, Alejandro, is, is not recently, but obviously in the very early years of the Argentine League, it was essentially English people, or, or British people, uh, I mm-hmm. should say, uh, with the odd Irish person thrown in as well, and occasional Argentines, when we're feeling controversial. Um, but no, more recently, probably not very many, but look at the surnames, essentially. Yeah. Um, if they have an Italian sounding surname, they're Italian. Actually, probably a fair few Germans. Kranib- yeah, I mean, Kranibita, 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 Yeah, I was thinking about Kranibita um, too. Who's, who's a potential is... breakthrough Pibe of the Initial, in my opinion. Uh, number five for River Plate, defensive midfielder who's been on their preseason tour with them. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he's got German or Austrian blood or something yeah. at some point. With this is an like immigrants country, so it's, mm. they're, they're meant to be quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Sullivan asks has Argentine football dried up talent wise compared to a decade or so ago and if so why I don't think I don't think so I think that the problem is that they've been taken away from Argentinian football earlier than they than they used to so that's why it may seem that um, that I mean the league itself has dried up but it's not like we've been pulling out less players than before it's just that you know Alvarez Valenta is a perfect. Alvarez Valenta is a perfect example. Just after eight matches, you had a millionaire offer from Europe to take him away, yeah. and he's only played eight matches. And this used to happen only when the the kid in question had played at least one season, one good season, or a season and a half or so for for his team. And now with just a couple of matches, it's it's enough for a European team to 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 want to take him away. When players leave at such a rapid rate. It's much harder for them to, well, at least develop in Argentina, they do the development yeah. elsewhere. Um, and of course, that's part of the reason that that's one of the things that lends to it being so difficult for clubs to keep any real um, consistency from championship to championship as well. Um, 
Phil Carney asks, what the hell is happening with Gino Peruzzi? A uh, very short answer to that, and it might even be out of date by the time this podcast goes online, is that uh, Vélez Arceo's president, Miguel Calelo, Calelo or Calesho? I think it's Calelo. I think it's Calelo. Probably. Because it's uh, Italian. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of Italian-sounding type surname. But then you do say Mascherano and not Mascherano, mm-hmm. so who knows. True. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, he, Venice's president has said that supposedly today, uh, which is Wednesday, uh, Sunderland's um, board were having a meeting to decide exactly what to do with Gino Peruzzi. What's happened is they found, a, during his medical, they found a complaint in his right knee. Um, it seems to me at least, that something very similar to what happened with uh, Ricardo Centurion from Racing to Angie is going on here, where they're basically they've found that some kind of minor medical complaint and are trying to use it as an excuse to lower the transfer fee a bit. Given that they're only paying $4.5 million in the first place for Gino Peruzzi, who is definitely going to be the next Javier Sanetti, um, I, I won't feel any embarrassment at all if that prediction fails to, hmm. to come true. Javier Sanetti agrees with me, though. He, he recommended him to Inter. Um, I think it's almost cheeky of them to be deciding to try and lower the transfer fee to three million. But essentially, they've given him a 30-day rehab period. And uh, according to Calelo, it's entirely up to whether Sutherland actually want to wait that amount of time or not. Um, but it does very much look like he's still going to move to Sunderland anyway. As we say, by the time that's by the time this podcast is online, that, that answer may well be out of date. Um, but that's what the situation is at the moment. Mike O'Neill has got a very good question. He asks, with it being a World <laughs> Cup year, would Fernando Gago not have been better off spending it in Europe at a higher level than remaining in Argentina? Something. Yeah, I think the question. Argentine, you care about how he doesn't yeah, work up. Yeah, I, I think that the point is that he really needs to play, and um, I think that in Europe he he's got this kind of fame of being a bit of a troublemaker or or or, or a player that has a hard time adapting to places and yeah. cities and sure. you know, um, so. Right now he's playing in Boca. He he's meant to to play as a st- in the starter team in, in every single match, and yeah, I, I do think that it wouldn't be better for him to stay in Europe and play at a higher level. But um, I don't know if he actually had the opportunity to to do so in a serious league. I mean, of course he he could have gone to I don't know the Belgian league or the Aus- Austrian league and just played there. But if you're talking about a serious like a Spanish league or Italian league, I don't know if if he actually had the opportunity to. And of course. He, it's also important to say that he he has a newborn son, and he really wants to stay in Argentina in order to to see to his um you know growing up and stuff. Yeah, that's that's a big consideration mm-hmm. because um, which hasn't, as far as I've been aware, I mean outside Argentina anyway, it's not really been covered by the by the media in terms yeah. of of uh, reasons for why Fernando Gago moved back here. But he initially moved back to Vélez on loan because he's. Uh, his Married wife? to or his? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, Gisela Dulco, which is a very Gisela famous Dulco. tennis player, Argentinian tennis female player. Yeah, uh, gave, gave birth to a son towards the end of the torneo final, just gone, and they wanted the kid to be born in Argentina, which yeah. is why they came born back. Born and raised. I mm-hmm. highly suspect that that's the reason that he's he wants to stay in Argentina rather than going mm-hmm. back to Spain. To be honest, yeah, um, it would surprise me if that's not some of the reason. From a footballing point of view, it is a shame because he's only, as I said earlier, he's only twenty-seven years old. Um, he, he's still very much at his peak and to some extent it's 
at club level at least, it, it's not really been realised um, in Europe, but arguably he's going to have as much visibility for Alejandro Sabella um, as he will have. And as I kind of hinted at earlier, he's going to be nailed on for the World Cup anyway. Yep. In Sabella's eyes, I'd be amazed if, if uh, Gago doesn't get called up for the World no, Cup. No, not only called up, but being Sasa, a star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of the most important players in the team. Yeah. He, in Argentina, he's seen as the guy who makes who makes Messi comfortable in the team. I mean, mm. He's seen as the number five that makes Messi be comfortable and, and, and playing well in the Argentinian team. And that is everything. Mm-hmm. And that is everything. Yeah. Um, so doesn't seem like there's any replacement for Gago right now in the in the Argentinian midfield. That a replacement that Messi feels comfortable enough and good enough to play with. And he's he's also set up a, a good number of goals for Messi. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not yeah, insane yeah. what everyone is saying. So, uh, Anu- yeah. Anup Ochai asks, uh, what will be the impact felt on the league by the loss of Skoko? Uh, I think no. more than anything it's going to be easier for everyone else to win matches <laughs> if they're not Newell's old boys um, yeah that's a simple answer right? it's, it's going to be a, a I wouldn't necessarily player. say a leveller because Newell's uh, lost enough matches that they only managed to win the league by three points out of River in the end um, but that, that's the obvious answer yeah no? yeah basically <clears throat> don't have any anything else to add to that mm-hmm Craig Clark says, will Sarate, right, this is one transfer we didn't mention, Venice yeah. Sarsfield have made one signing in this winter break, and it is Mauro Sarate, the former Birmingham player. Um, they have signed him in order to replace Facundo Ferreira, who has joined uh, Shakhtar Donetsk for something like six and a half million euros. That's a fantastic sale and a fantastic signing on a free transfer to replace him. Um, will he play for Vélez, or is, is his contract with Lazio still an issue? Um, and also how well is Basedas rated as a manager uh, to the Sarate question as far as I'm aware his contract with Lazio is not an issue he's already signed for Belis yeah you know, he's time. signed he's signed for Belis um, so yes he's going to play and Santi you can tell us more about Basedas than I can it, yeah he's a general manager now for Belis kind of like the position that Menotti was meant to have in Colombo but actually he's not having okay, it right, so or that Bianchi had in Boca this is the so manager I position s- in sorry, the Argentinian I suspect mm-hmm. what's happened here is that Craig has, has seen that Basedas has been made manager mm-hmm. on a Spanish language uh, website and, and is asking um, but to clarify uh, Ricardo Garreca is still the English language manager of Belez Sarsfield um, and yeah. Christian Basedas has been made a Spanish language manager or Bellis, which is equivalent to what we would in English call a sporting director or a director of football. Yeah. What um, you call a manager, we call a director tecnico here, which is DT, and we you still have um, Gareca as a DT in in Bellis. Bacedas is uh, meant to be the manager starting this season in Bellis, and it's a bit of a strange position in Argentinian football because you really don't get a lot of say in the squad itself and in the technical standpoint and you don't really get a lot of say either in the signings and goings so That's it's a bit is, of a great thing I mean Bianchi the, was the a manager in Boca and he didn't really do yeah. anything he, no, he the, was a bit of a failure as I said the nearest equivalent to what we have a vague concept of in England is is, is the, the sporting manager or the director of football but it's really not the same thing at all because mm-hmm. the manager, the man, the English manager, manager, the mm-hmm. Ricardo Garrincha is going to go to the Belles board and say, "Sign me this player." Yeah, 
he's not going to go to anything to do with Baseda. So Baseda's mm-hmm. main role is going to be to organise friendlies, to uh, talk to other clubs outside Spain. I, I guess it's almost a kind of head scout role. But yeah, he can also manage signings, it, right? but really Gareca is the one who has the final word yeah. on if someone actually comes to the club or leaves the club. Yeah. Um, right, we've yeah. also got a couple on my... Facebook page because I wanted to open it up to my friends who don't uh, use Twitter. Uh, Archibald Archie Whitworth, who was a, a guest once on Handapod, here's a peer before, says, "How long do you think it will be before Pablo Migliori gets himself locked up again?" <laughs> um, As we say, I don't think it's going to be so much before he gets himself locked up. It's going to be more whether the pending court case gets heard later this year. Um, yeah. But as I kind of hinted at earlier, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Argentinos find themselves without a goalkeeper yep. partway through, if not the, the initial, then the, then the final. Um, Howard Croston asks, with no away fans, is it going to be uh, lacking in atmosphere? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, totally. it's going to be. There are quite a few matches where it's only the home team that brings the atmosphere anyway. If you're going to see River against Atletico Rafael and Monumental... Howard is, Howard is mm-hmm. actually used to the opposite, if anything, because he lives very close to Tigre's ground, so he's mm-hmm. probably more used to the away fans bringing the atmosphere. Oh. Yeah. We can make a similar joke mm-hmm. about Arsenal, of course. <laughs> we're not going to, since you're here, Santa. Yeah, I think it's going to be... In, in big matches, it's going to be a bit more boring. Mm. In some other matches, it's going to be basically the same. As I said, when River played Rafaela, it doesn't really change a lot if you have the, I don't know, 400 Rafaela fans in there or yeah. not. It's, it's going to be basically the same. The interesting so for thing an, anyone who's coming long. to Argentina, I, I, I want to see any football matches in, in the big stadiums, River, Boca, Racing, then even if there are no away fans, please do it. Yeah. Do it anyway because the atmosphere is going to be basically the same. The interesting thing will be to see how long this away fan ban lasts because it is until further notice according yeah. to the AFA, which can mean, when it comes to the AFA, it can mean bloody anything. Uh, in my opinion, it's going to be two to three weeks tops. Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, I'd agree. Um, I'm now going to play some music and Mystic Sam will be back in a second with his predictions for the first round of the Torneo Inicial. Here we go, Mystic Sam's first predictions of 2013-14 are Godoy Cruz versus Argentinos Juniors, big relegation clash, and I think that Godoy Cruz are going to be the victors. Uh, Arsenal de Sarandí against the Estudiantes to be a draw. Tigre versus Vélez Sarsfield, Vélez to get an away win. Tigre have got a lot of big losses, as we said earlier. All boys to beat Atletico Rafaela. Colón versus Racing is going to be a draw. Lanús versus Belgrano, I think, is going to be a home win. Rosario Central versus Quilmes is also going to be a home win. Uh, so Central to get there, stay in the Primera, off to a good start. San Lorenzo versus Olimpo de Bahia Blanca. Um, San Lorenzo should win that with something to spare, I think. And River versus, sorry, Gimnasia versus River. Uh, a narrow River win. I'm going to go particularly narrow with the news that Teo Gutierrez isn't going to be playing. Uh, Boca versus Newells is delayed so that Newells have got some time to prepare, having just gone out of the Copa Libertadores relatively recently. Santi, any particular thoughts on the predictions I've made? Were any really awful or really good? No, I opinion? think they were quite accurate. 
We shall see. Uh, the other thing to mention is that the second round of the Torneo Inicial might already have been played by the time we next record, because it's going to be played midweek. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I think it is, sure. owing to elections um, in a week and a half's time. So the next episode of Hand of Pod might not be recorded next week. Actually, I think it probably won't, because recording in the middle of a round is normally fairly awkward. Um, so we will see you again, if not in one week, then certainly in two weeks' time for episode 113. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this first round or two of Torneo Inicial action, if you're uh, going to be watching it or following it on Twitter. And it's goodbye from Santiago. Bye, everyone. Thank you very much for coming along, and goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.